0: This week on the Pro Wrestling Podcast, podcast. The Road Dog Brian James, shoots hard on Brett the Hitman Hart and then ponders if the Montreal screw job was all a work. Nick Aldis announces he is leaving the NWA and drama ensues. We got clips from both Billy Corgan burying Nick Aldis and then Nick Aldis firing back. Soraya addresses all of the fans' hatred after her debut promo didn't go as well as she would have liked it to go. And how exactly is Machine Gun Carl Anderson still the never-open-weight champion of New Japan? And is the forbidden door opened for WWE? I'm your host, Seth Grimes, and this is the Pro Wrestling Podcast podcast what the fuck is up everybody welcome welcome in to another episode of the pro wrestling podcast podcast i am your boy Seth grimes i appreciate you being here i did take last week off it was a slower week um, but what i did do last week is i gave you a full aew roster evaluation i did a full hour on it to replace the podcast because i didn't want to leave you guys hanging It did that around Halloween. Look, I've come to find that some weeks are just slower than others. And if there's not a lot of great news, uh, there's been times, just 100% frank with you, there's been times where I sit here and I try to just fucking ramble through shit because I honestly don't care. And it's all I got to work with. You know what I mean? Like some weeks in podcasts are just boring and nobody gives a fuck, right and then there's other weeks that are bad crazy insane and this is absolutely one of those weeks and i'm excited to get into it and that's what i'm looking for you guys need the passion from me you need me to care god damn it i cared about the aew roster evaluation that was fun to do i would like to do more stuff like that in the future possibly a wwe roster evaluation possibly just other wrestling related shit i know i'm doing a lot of other stuff too reviews and reactions and all that shit um but i know that my bread and butter my love my passion is my professional wrestling and my wrestling fans and uh you know i love having you guys here this is a fun community we're just gonna keep on doing what we're doing so uh We'll, we'll kind of do it like that, I suppose, you know, if we run into a week where I'm just not inspired, Uh, you know, there's just nothing to really talk about. And I can't sit and try to fill five to 10 minute segments on fucking, you know, Trish Stratus's new movie. Nobody gives a fuck. You know what I mean? Like, I have to have the passion to do it. So if that ever pops up again, and it's few and far between, look, I'm here every week. There's always something to talk about in wrestling usually. But if there's a slow week or something, I'll try to replace it with something fun. We'll try to, you know, do something wrestling related. I also filmed a really fun project. Uh, Speaking of, I tried to give you guys another piece of bonus content this week, wrestling related. I did a watch along for the 1992 Royal Rumble. Uh, first watch along video that I've ever done. And it was fun. It was really fun to do. However, YouTube has blocked it. As of now, I have disputed it under the uh, <laughs> under um, fair use under the Fair Use Act, which absolutely gives me the right to uh, commentate on it. You know, to, to watch it and react to it in real time and comment on it and give historical perspective on it and, you know, crack jokes at times. All that's covered under fair use, but YouTube kind of plays fast and loose with their fair use policies. So that video is up. It's uh, well, it's not up, but it's, you know, it's posted to YouTube, but it is currently in dispute hell right now. So if or when that ever actually um, gets cleared, I will gladly share it with you guys. If not, um, you know, I'll try to convert it to maybe just like uh, something that you can hit play and, and, and listen along like on a podcast feed. Um, I don't know. I'll figure it out. But I love doing all that extra content. It's really fun. But I look, I've been rambling like a mofo here at the beginning of the show. Usually, it's what I do at the end of the show for my people that listen all the way through. And then they want to hear my opinions of just other shit besides wrestling. So there you go. You got it at the beginning of the show hopefully you didn't skip it uh we will save the plugs for the end then and let's just dive right into the show because holy shit so we got a lot to talk about including this first story here the road dog brian james claims that he is a better sports entertainer than brett the hitman Hart, and that being a decent wrestler is not where the money's at he had all kinds of things to say about bret hart on his podcast the oh you didn't know uh usually with ryan cats but ryan apparently had the week off hanging out with his cats (laughs) get it because his last name is cats he's probably like a crazy cat lady guy um smiley smiley he's a good dude um but instead we got fucking cassio kid which is like uh Conrad Thompson Jr., right? Like they have the same fucking voice and accent and personality and everything, you know, just jolly, chubby Southern Atlanta boys, right? Or you know, Georgia boys, anyway, Alabama boys, whatever, somewhere down that way. Alabama. Um, but yeah, Cassio Kid was talking with the road dog Brian James on his podcast about the montreal screw job that was the topic of the uh episode and look the, the montreal screw job has been covered to death everybody and their mom has given an opinion on it surprisingly i haven't had too much to say on on video about it yet um maybe we'll get into that here in a minute um but you know first thing we're gonna address here before we get into the montreal screw job part of it were these comments and this happened right at the end of the show this was I mean, Road Dogg must have been holding this in, or he just couldn't help himself to wait five more minutes till he was off of the podcast. But literally, like, as they were wrapping up, he was just basically like, yeah, you know what? Fuck Bret Hart. No, he didn't quite say it like that, you know. He was very clear to say, I have tons of respect for Bret and everything like that. But the things that he said in this clip I'm going to play here, only a little bit of it, you know, because I can't just play a half fucking episode or anything. I'm not going to play a full five-minute clip. Um, but Road dog went, I f- I feel like he went pretty hard. I would classify this as shooting hard on Brett, the hitman heart under the guise of, you know, I respect him And I got nothing bad to say about Brett, except for this, 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 and this, um, you know, he laid into Brett and and did it kind of in a veiled way. Check out this clip.
1: Did losing Brett feel like. The last nail. Did that worry you guys as oh, well, now it's getting harder for us. For me personally, and that's all you're gonna get from me ever, yeah. is because that's all I got. It's my only reference point. I never saw what the big deal was with Bret Hart as a performer. I never understood it. It it he was a great worker. And I thought about saying good, but he was a great worker, worked better than me tenfold work circles around me. Don't ever think that I've told anybody I was a good wrestler because I haven't. And if you've listened to my podcast, you know, that's true. I don't think I was a good wrestler. I don't think Brett was a great wrestler. He was wrestler. I think I was a better sports entertainer than Brett was. And I think that's where the money is. So I always thought that he he should have done business and done what was right. And you know what I mean? But I never looked at him like, if we lose this guy, we lose the war. Like it was, I never thought that for one moment. Now I can understand people who are huge Bret Hart fans going, screw you road dog, you suck. And okay, screw me and I suck. Okay. Like now what? We still get to my feelings, which is, I never thought he was that great to begin with. So it wasn't that great a loss when we lost him for me personally
0: ah the age old argument sports entertainer versus pro wrestler um look let's address the pro wrestler side of it first because brian james even went as far as to say he didn't see what all the hype was about with bret hart he doesn't get why everybody thinks he's so great he thought he was a good wrestler but not like the greatest of all time or anything which is Downright blasphemy. If you ask like half of the internet wrestling community, uh, we will all tell you that Brett the Hitman Hart is the shit. Uh, but Road Dog didn't think so so much. And look, so uh before I give my opinion and before we all kind of jump in on it with our two cents here, let's acknowledge the fact that Road Dog isn't in the business. He's been around Bret Hart for many years. He's worked with him, he knows him as a human being. And think about people that you work with that are kind of just, eh, I don't know about that guy. You know what I mean? But like everybody praises him and people just don't, that don't work around him every day, don't really get how big of a douchebag he really is. You know what I mean? So, and I'm not saying Brett's a douchebag, but what I am saying is that Road Dog, his opinion might be colored, even though he said he always got along with Brett, might be colored by just, things that he's seen or heard or or just experienced being around Brett such as like he talked about Brett was always very serious. So wasn't very much of a joker, you know. And didn't like to laugh too much. Took everything so seriously. And those are those can be the little things that kind of um, get a guy like Road Dog to be like ah, I don't, you know, Brett's kind of mad. But look, if he's going to look at Brett Hart's work as his work rate in the ring as a professional wrestler and say he doesn't see why people think he was like the greatest or one of the greatest. He's fucking insane. Brett the Hitman heart like he's he's conflating his sports entertainment nonsense with pro wrestling and we'll address that. I'll get to that part. Um but just to specifically tackle the Brett Hart wrestling end of this. Brett Hart is one of the greatest goddamn wrestlers of all time. He is so effortlessly crisp and smooth and on point and textbook the nickname the excellence of execution wasn't just like a a fucking thing that gorilla monsoon made up to try to get brett over like his work is you can't see through his work his work is impeccable he puts people exactly where they need to be All of his moves are like the textbook definition. Like, if he's gonna, you ever see him drop a fucking? I used to, in my backyard wrestling, I used to love the fucking uh, sidewalk slam slam, scoop and then just down into a, you know, I'd spin around with it and then, and then drop a solid fucking backbreaker across the knee. And I got that from Bret Hart. I used to, Bret used to drop a fucking, used to do a backbreaker that was just like, crisp as all fuck the guy landed on the fucking knee it looked devastating but he was always safe he was always taking care of people um you know there's been people that have said that he throws some some potatoes out there but he never even he doesn't break jaws he doesn't knock out teeth he doesn't break noses you know he's he can be you can be physical without and, and still be safe and brett I, brett was the excellence of execution he was a goddamn master he gave so many people that were not great workers, their best matches. Look at the match he had with Kevin Nash, specifically that Survivor Series match where Nash turned heel. The absolute best fucking Kevin Nash match you will ever see in your life. And he'll tell you, too. I think he'll tell you that that was his favorite match or his best match. And he's worked with Sean. You know what I mean? Brett had a way with working with big guys. Look at the king of the ring that he worked. He worked with like what Razor Ramon, Bam Bam Bigelow um and i don't remember who else he beat in that tournament forgive me Um, But Brett was uh, fucking amazing in that three different types of opponents, three different styles. Look at his match he had with Piper. He gave Roddy Piper the best wrestling match Piper has ever had in his entire life. WrestleMania eight, right? Piper's always been a brawler. He's always a scrapper. He always was a good sports entertainer. He always put on a good show. He was always a main event act. But nobody would ever accuse Roddy Piper of being a technical fucking wizard, right? Uh, in that match, he had a fucking technical masterpiece. He had one of the greatest cage matches of all time with his brother, Owen. The match he had at WrestleMania 10 is still to this day. One of the greatest matches in WrestleMania history. Of course, his match with Yokozuna. I'm talking about, right? No, of course the one with Owen Hart, right? Yeah. Um, Brett's fucking fantastic. And look, wrestling subjective. It's art. You know, some people can look at the Mona Lisa and go, eh, it's just some fucking lady. I don't get it. But it's hanging in a museum because enough people do appreciate it. So it's one of those things. Maybe you... Uh, Don't like Bret Hart, but I have a hunch if you don't it's because you think he's a little bit boring and stale and that's where we're going to address this whole sports entertainer thing as we wrap this up here, but on the wrestling side you cannot poke holes in Bret Hart's game it's impossible and that's why he's respected by all the great workers, you know, like FTR looks up to the hitman CM Punk looks up to the hitman though, CM Punk's nowhere near the category of, of Bret Hart in the ring, you know what I mean um to just to say you don't see what the big deal is as far as him being a wrestler and that you don't think you you don't think that he's one of the greatest of all time as a wrestler like you grew up in wrestling bro like do you what 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 crack are you smoking you know what i mean and he he might have been because it's the road dog okay i was a low blow i take that back i take it back fucking cancel me or throw your shade at me i took it back it's like it never happened okay but seriously what kind of fucking drugs is he on if he thinks that brad hart is not one of the greatest pro wrestlers of all time is he the greatest that's debatable is he one of is he in top 10 probably top five i would argue yes for my own probably top five top 10 i think you'd have a very hard time arguing that there's fucking 10 other guys that are more crisp more clean more solid able to work with a wider variety of people give more people great matches that have never had them before in their life you just you're fucking insane now bret hart is dry he's dry as fucking shoe leather right he's fucking dry as, as white people cook their chicken right but you <laughs> Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Don't fucking, you know, I can, I can diss myself. Don't worry about it. I season my chicken. Thank you very much. I season it heavily. But Bret Hart is a dry motherfucker, right? He is boring and stale. Um, I don't even think he's not to say. Now, look, yes. If you're going to look at sports entertainer, was the road dog more charismatic and more entertaining and fun? And feel good to watch and get a good chuckle out of them and could produce a fucking better backstage segment or even cut a better promo, a more exciting promo. Yes, to all of those things. Road Dog is a better sports entertainer, right? But what does that get you? Like, okay, yeah, he could say, well, that's where the money is. I will bet you any fucking, um, I'll bet you my fucking house that Bret Hart has made three times, if not fucking five times the money that road dog has made in the professional wrestling business right uh probably a lot more so i don't know where he's oh that's where the money is 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 a sports entertainment he's not wrong when you look at like guys like the rock or like stone cold right like stunning steve austin was a good wrestler's wrestler right he was technically sound like a motherfucker people forget before steve austin took that pile driver from owen Steve was one of the most technically sound guys in the business. He was fantastic. And then the fucking, uh, you know, the, after the neck, he kind of just became a brawler and more personality, more sports entertainment, the rock, more sports entertainment, look, sports entertainment's huge. And he's not wrong. The big, big, big bucks are in being a good sports entertainer. Um, but look, <laughs> Brett made more money than road dog ever will in his life. So, uh, I don't know exactly where he was going with that. Uh, and, and you know what, Brett was under an underrated sports entertainer because yes, he could be dry, and yes, as a baby face, he was pretty, pretty meh, personality wise. But as a heel in his anti America, you know, before he left WWE, when he turned heel and he was, you know, the Hart Foundation was reunited and they were pro Canada again. Like Brett was delivering some great shit back then. So I think he's an underrated sports entertainer, but I would argue that road dog is correct that he's a better sports entertainer, but clearly it doesn't make you more money. At least it doesn't. When you compare the two of them, you know, maybe you compare the rock to, to Bret Hart. Then you're looking at, you know, something different there, you know, to help road dogs case, but they're two different things. And yes, it is more, it, you need both, right? Like, and maybe you don't even need to be a good wrestler nowadays because I think there's enough fans of the WWE specifically that don't care about wrestling. They want to be entertained. They Are you not sports entertained? You know, they want to be sports entertained, you know, like the Jericho Appreciation Society, the greatest sports entertainers on the history of Earth. Um. <laughs> but uh you know there's a whole world of wrestling fans still out there and they might be the minority you know that's the hundred uh, or that's the million or a little less that are watching aew those are the same people that are watching new japan and that the you know that watch you know that are fans of like will osprey and shit like that like there are wrestling fans and and bret hart's fantastic at that and he would wrestle circles around the road dog road dog a bigger sports entertainer uh at the end of the day it's all subjective but it just sounded like a really kind of kind of a stupid foot and mouth thing to say for road dog at least the way he phrased it or maybe didn't even need to be said and he kept tr- trying to come back and say you know i like Brett, i respect Brett, but then he just continued to Go, go hard, you know, to see it, to outright say, I don't see what people see in him. Come on, man. Come on, man. But the road dog wasn't done because not only did he bury Brett, the Hitman heart on his podcast, but he also speculated out loud. What many of us in the wrestling fandom have speculated as well. If you dig to the deepest, darkest lowest points of the pro wrestling iceberg you will find the people that will believe that the Montreal screw job was a work and Road Dog himself the fucking the man he was there when it happened he was in the building or at least you know he was he was on the card i believe and he thinks it's a work and he wasn't shy about saying so, or at least would like to tell himself that it could be a work. Check out this clip.
1: You think Sean knew going in everything about it? I think he did. I think he did. I think Hunter did. And, and dare I say, I think Brett might have. I've thought that for a long time and it's cause I'm cynical and because I'm one of the boys and because I believe everything's a work and because you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I get all that. But it makes me still wonder. Was because it was man, it was a big deal. We're, we're talk, talking. We've been talking an hour about it. You know what I mean? <laughs> and 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 still don't know. Still right. not got any further. That's the frustrating part. So in Sean's book, he says Hunter. Uh, he said Hunter, Sean, and VKM and Hebner were the only ones that knew. Yeah. So that's that's the story I heard as well. I mean, and that's in that. You look, could, I've never I've never sat down with Sean or Hunter and said. Tell me the truth about all that because i i don't want to know the truth right the speculation is funner and the and the truth might make it boring
0: look we've all as wrestling fans have had at, it's at least popped in our head is it a work whether we settle on yeah it could be or maybe it is i don't know uh we've all at least speculated we've all taken a walk down that road you know maybe we didn't maybe we turned around pretty quick you know realized that yeah, it looks like that probably a dead end it's not a lot of fruit trees to look at down that road i don't know i'm just trying to pull out something entertaining you might like to see while you're out for a walk you know how everybody likes their fruit trees they like to go out for a walk and observe the fruit trees um, <laughs> Maybe there's not a lot down that road for some people, and then others like like the road dog. And look, Road Dog was very clear. He doesn't necessarily think it was, but he would like to think it was. Uh, if it was, it was the greatest work in the history of works, was it not? What could be bigger than the Montreal screw job? Because here we are, 20 was it, It's 25 years later. We just had the anniversary, and we're still talking about it, and we're still speculating on it now. I don't. I personally, I don't think it's a work. Now, do am I conspiracy minded enough to go? Yeah, it's plausible. Sure. Yeah, sure. Of course, I can walk down that road with you. We can walk down that road. You know what I mean? Smoke a doobie, have a talk about it, philosophize. But at the end of the day, I think you know, twenty five years later, it would have came out. And I don't think Brett's that good of a kayfaber. I think Brett's too old and grumpy and just. You know, I think the stroke, uh, and I'm going to tread lightly here when I say this, but I think Brett, after the stroke, didn't have a whole lot of fucks left to give. You know what I mean? The stroke kind of knocked all the fucks out of Brett Hart that he had left to give. And he'll just say shit now, and he's not shy to do so. So uh, I don't think he'd still be secretly holding on to that. As you know, in his back pocket as that it was, you know, and look, he's an old school guy and his dad was in the building, you know, he just talked about on that they just had that Calgary stampede episode. Of tales from the territories, which was kind of not the most entertaining of the show, but still good still good stories to be had there um He talked about how his dad would throw the cast on anytime, like the mailman came to the door or something because he had an angle where his arm was broken, but he'd walk around the house without the cast, of course, you know. And uh, so, sure, Brett has it in him or at least was raised to keep kayfabe, but I just don't think, I think if he was in on it, I don't think. Now, the only, here's the thing. The one thing that has me absolutely like, okay if it wasn't the work why this was that wrestling with shadows documentary why it had such unlimited access and they were there right after brent got uh you know they were showing the reactions where it was it? brett's wife that was chewing out hunter in the hallway uh or his sister or something i don't know and you hear sean you know saying oh i didn't know anything about it i swear and you know but you see vince walk by after he got punched and just all of these things, um, like why it's weird that cameras were there in that, like there that night specifically, and that they were just up in his business and he was going to be leaving anyway. And there's just so many factors, you know, um, but in why Vince couldn't just let Brett drop the belt to somebody else and then have Sean. Why did he have to drop it to Sean directly? You know, Brett was offering to drop the belt to basically anybody but Sean. You know, is it ideal? No, you want him to do the favors to Sean. Is it the, in, you know, the right way to do business would have been to put over Sean. But he had to stick up his ass about Sean. So fine, let's, let's, you'll drop the belt to somebody else. And then, you know, we'll have that person drop it to Sean, right? You do that kind of shit all the time. All You know, you didn't have Bob Backlund drop the belt to Hulk Hogan. You had him drop it to the Iron Sheik so that the Iron Sheik could drop it to Hogan. That way you kind of save face. You know, you keep Bob. You don't bury Bob. You know what I mean? You, you give it to the dirty, rotten, cheating heel. And then the heel gets his comeuppance by the new baby face. And it's just how it goes. You know what I mean? But it could be a If it, it, it could be it's plausible there's enough there to like sink your teeth into for a fun conversation or go to just fucking smoke session to just sit and debate what if but at the end of the day i think it would have come out by now somebody would have leaked something and really what's it accomplish other than oh we gotta keep kayfabe brother brother like they've fucking worried about that at all for anything ever you know what i mean like there is zero interest in keeping kayfabe with anything so, why to this day? As a matter of fact, WWE uh, would make more money coming out, you know, and they make tons of money off the Montreal screw job anyway. You know, They that shits on every other documentary that they do. um. But, you know, they could come out and they could say, you know, the most elaborate work in the history, you know, have all their pundits. It was the biggest work in the history of wrestling. Kayfabe has never been kept like this. I'm telling you, brother. You know what I mean? Like, there's money to be made on coming out and telling the full story on how we kept kayfabe for 25 years. Like, all these people are going to end up too old to talk about it soon, you know. So it's, I, you know, it, it's not a work, but it is fun to think about. And I, I get where Road Dog's coming about, coming from where he says, you know, he he would like to think so. And doesn't want to actually know the truth because it's funner to speculate. I get that. Drama unfolds for the NWA as Nick Aldis has put in his notice to leave the National Wrestling Alliance. And it all apparently stems with some sort of personal beef with Billy Corgan. Uh, Aldis took to his Instagram account this week, which has now been taken down, but he had posted a video Uh, By all accounts, basically saying that the N.W.A. has gotten too embarrassing and that it's time for him to leave. Um, This sparked a lot of reaction and questions on the Internet, as it always does. Then Nick Aldis continued to give his opinions on Twitter as he posted several things this week. Including, uh, if some of you are wondering whether stuff like this factored into my decision to give my notice, you would be correct. This is in regards to the Empower All Women's uh, gimmick pay-per-view that they had. Um, Apparently, Mickey James felt insulted that uh, Billy had no interest in doing another one. To which, you know, Billy had said... Hey, I lost money on that fucking thing, and now we're not going to be able to even do it as good as we did it last time because there's not enough great women's talent out there. So understandable there, Uh, but it continues. Nick Aldis posts also fans in NOLA. Sorry to disappoint, but I was removed from the show this weekend after giving my notice. I fully intended to fulfill my obligations to the audience, but unfortunately, the company doesn't seem to share the same values. Nick Aldis continues. He's responding to people online now that are commenting on this. And Nick continues. Wait till he goes on Busted Open Radio later this morning. I gave five years to the brand. I hope the other talent are paying attention Because if he will do this to me, he will do it to anyone, all because I'm leaving and didn't like gags, the gimp, and social distancing matches. Mickey James then posts that she stands by her man, uh, obviously noting what side she's on. But Billy Corgan has responded to this on said busted open podcast, and it was not pretty. Dude did not hold back and effectively buried Nick Aldis. We're going to listen to this, and then we're going to get into the nitty-gritty of it. Take a look at this clip.
1: And obviously, Nick Aldis was your NWA champion. What happened here? Because I felt like this was a relationship that worked, that was successful. What went wrong and why?
2: Um, A couple days ago, he does a video where he says, okay, I'm, opt, I'm opting out of my contract or whatever. He says it publicly. I wouldn't do business that way, but it's his choice. I didn't like it, but okay, it's fine. He's leaving in 55 days or something, right? Just do your business and go on out the door. That's fine. And hopefully we'll do business down the road. Then he starts blasting the product. Now I want to remind everybody that everything that he said, I've been hearing that stuff for years. It's not like I heard it and I got all sensitive. Oh my God, what is he saying? But ask yourself, why in a pay-per-view week, with the talent who's leaving the com- uh, company, does he decide to start blasting me and the product 55 days before he's out and he can just go out and do out whatever he's going to do? Why does he have to bury the locker room? Why does he have to bury the product? And again, I've heard all this stuff privately for years. These are not new criticisms. He and I have battled about the product for years and he's helped make the product behind the scenes better with those battles. So this is not a sensitive reactionary thing. But how do I, as the leader of this company, allow a key talent, the most highly visible talent in the company, up until he opens his mouth and tells people he's leaving? Blast the company. Okay. by the way, he's still under contract and he's still being paid. So we disinvite him. Hey, we don't want you to show up. We didn't take away his money. He's still being paid. But I can't have a guy like that show up because what message does this send to the locker room? There's a lot of people in the locker room where they're not happy about this. They have to go do their job. Why is the focus not on Matt Cardona, Tyrus, and Trevor Murdoch, or Camille, Kylan King, and Chelsea? The focus is on Nick Aldis, who by the way is not on the show anymore. So you can understand sort of the, it's not an animosity. It's like, why are we doing this? Why is he working an angle when he's leaving? Why is he using the NWA's good name, or my good name, to get himself over in a way that's not necessary? If he's everything he thinks he is, go into the free market like any free agent and test your medal. He's working, okay, and I'm using the industry term here, okay. He's working something. I don't know what he's working, but he's willing to sacrifice me and the NWA to prove something or get something going or get out early to go do something because somebody's given him an Iggy and said, hey, if you can get out early, this is this is not cool. He's under contract, he's a paid talent.
0: All right. First of all, can I just ask, can we just ask, is it a work? Is it? It's a work, right? This is a work and they're working together because they were already doing, uh, forgive me, I don't follow NWA religiously, but as far as I'm aware, they were already doing like a Billy versus Nick Aldis type angle, right? They're already doing a thing where Nick was outspoken about Billy and didn't like Billy. Um, Are they just working the marks? Are they working me? Are they working you? Are they working us? Is is that what this is? You know, they're both giving it a lot of attention and it is kind of coming out of nowhere. And um, you know, it's wrestling, right? So you can't put it past anybody to be working. And, in fact, whether this is a work or it's not a work, this is how you do a work in 2022 with a smart internet. It's not impossible. You just got to you got to take it to the social media. You got to take it to interviews. You got to take it publicly. You got to you got to speak out publicly about your uh real life dissat your real life dissatisfactions you know acknowledge hey we're doing a storyline and all and i get that and that was going fine and we were getting along but then this motherfucker did this and that's exactly what billy said basically on busted open he was like hey you know we were working a storyline but we got along fine everything was fine and now all of a sudden and he accuses nick aldis of running his own angle you know he accuses him of possibly looking to you know get himself over through this to position himself to get a spot with another company WWE or AEW and that perhaps he's just running an angle to get himself over to build up some hype in himself free agent and all of that shit perhaps um i see a lot of people uh, people are torn on this there's people that are billy fans and then there's people that are nick aldis fans um i gotta tell you like you know i'm not a huge <laughs> nick aldis guy uh, if we're gonna be completely frank here but biases aside um i yeah i Unless they're running an angle, they're both kind of looking like a little bit of asshats to a certain extent. Just talking about this publicly um, for Nick Aldis's end. OK, Billy feels to a certain extent that Aldous didn't quit under proper circumstances. I mean, he just kind of gave his notice, but there was no he felt like maybe felt a little hurt because they had a friendship going and he they had a good business relationship and uh Billy had said that Nick uh was the highest paid guy on his roster and that Nick was um Nick was privy to the inside of the business inside of Billy's life so to speak you know Nick was one of those guys that he really let that Billy let in 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 his inner circle um And supposedly there is some falling out over this Empower pay-per-view gimmick. Now, I don't blame Nick for sticking by Mickey. If Mickey felt hurt or offended in any way, shape, or form by this bullshit. Um, But I don't see how she could be. Billy Corgan is not under any obligation to spend any money. It's his show. It's his pay-per-view. He threw Mickey a bone to do the Empower pay-per-view last time. He built it around Mickey Mickey was like the the top dog running the show, you know, she had a heavy influence in the booking of it and and just putting it all together. Her name was on it, her stamp of approval, so to speak, and you know what it didn't work out, you know, Billy said it was a success, but then he also in the same breath said it lost money, which is the exact opposite of a success. You know, people might have liked it and all, but uh nobody paid money to see it. So um, and and Billy's right now the pool of talent is thinned out a lot more than it was before, you know. W between WWE uh with Triple H taking back over and scooping up a lot of those talents that were already released. Um, you know, he's got a Dakota Kai back and, you know, uh, Tegan Knox is supposedly on her way back and, um, you know, that sort of Mia Yim's there now again. So it's a lot of female free agents, Emma, Emma's scooped back up. You know what I'm saying? Um, fucking, and then an AEW has got a lot of more of the, uh, female free agents as well. So. When Billy says there's not enough like TV ready talent in the female uh, out there on the the market for females and Fightful had chimed in and they kind of got all this shit started. You know, that was a tweet that Nick Aldous was responding to when he was saying it was stuff like this part of it. Yes, it was a tweet by Fightful basically saying, hey, Billy, there is lots of great talent out there. Yeah, look, I'm sure there is right there's not even enough even though female talent on tv isn't fucking up to snuff right look the, the women's segments get some of the lowest ratings on these tv shows uh more so in aew than wwe but it's still it's not women's it's not a, you gotta get out of your head about this uh this need to have equality like oh men and women need to have Equal time, equal pay-per-view. You know, women need a pay-per-view. Like, this, this shit loses money, bro. People aren't paying for these things. You can't just... Now, Yeah, it is a chicken-or-the-egg situation, right? Like, is it because there's not enough time being put into the women's division? Not enough TV time? Not enough of a push? That's why it's not getting over? Or is it not getting over because it's women's wrestling and it will inherently not get over? Either way, it's too big of an investment for a small shoestring budget company like NWA. They're not a big billion dollar company, right? They don't have TV time. They're they're fledgling. They're it's a fucking it's coming out of Billy Corgan's pockets, you know. And even though he's a very wealthy, famous musician, he's not just gonna go bankrupt over this fucking wrestling company. You know what I mean? Um, you know it's it's what tony khan's wrestling company should have been no offense to aew i love that aew's around for places to work but it's it's you know it's billy's passion project you know it's just on a smaller level you know what i mean where you know you're not out there trying to uh anyway that i'm i'm digressing here but you get what i'm saying this is billy's passion project but he's not going to go bankrupt with it you know what i mean um, and he's not spending millions of dollars on it, uh, as far as I'm aware anyway. In a way, just in, in Empower, another Empower pay-per-view is just not going to draw. There's less talent out there. And sure, sure, I'm sure there's some good wrestling, female wrestling talent out there um, that are still that aren't signed up, but they're not over. Nobody knows them enough to spend money on them. And, you know, I'm sure they could hang in the ring. Ooh, that's cool. But he's also looking for people that are TV ready and that people are, that they look, you're doing the pay per view so people can buy it. You know, you're not selling out big arenas. So it's not so much the tickets, it's, but you're doing it for the pay per view. And if people aren't buying the pay per view and you're losing money on a girl's show, which by the way, losing money on an all women's show, look, the women in, the women that were used for NWA were not big budget women talent. You know what I mean? You got like a Mickey and such. You know what I mean? There's a couple bigger expenses on there. But for the most part, you know, if you're using fairly unknown or unsigned talent from the indies that are female, it's, it's, it's not going to be that expensive of a show to run. And the fact that it lost money... Oof. Oof. That's 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 a rough one. You know what I mean? So he's under uh, no obligation to do this show. And if Mickey felt, and, and Billy addressed that, you know, if, if you felt personally offended, I'm sorry. This was a business decision. This was nothing against Mickey James. And, you know, uh, Billy was really apologetic about that. But, um, you know, apparently that pissed off Mickey, which in turn pissed off Nick and is causing him to leave. Uh, one of the reasons anyway Um, also you know according to Billy Nick wasn't happy with his creative in there you know and that Nick really wanted it to be the Nick Aldis wrestling promotion you know and uh Billy wanted to push other guys and build up other guys I would assume Nick probably had a problem with guys like Trevor Murdoch and Tyrus I, I don't know that he would He'd be really stupid if he had a problem with guys like Matt Cardona getting pushed to the top of the card, because Matt's going to draw eyeballs to the NWA. Um, but arguably, in luck, Tyrus gets a lot of TV time, but not necessarily by wrestling fans, right? So he's a maybe a household, more of a household name than I think people realize, but not for wrestling per se. Um you know, those people aren't going to come buy his pay-per-views necessarily. And sure as fuck, most not many people are buying pay-per-views for Trevor Murdoch. Come on. Come on. I know people love Trevor Murdoch, but goddamn. Like, there's no way that you're like, oh, my God, fat, old, slobby country boy. Yes, that's my exact favorite thing to watch on TV. Like, I, I'm sure, you know, they take my money. I, I you know i'm sure you're out there salute to you my sir you know or Uh, ma'am you're a diehard among diehards and i i commend you for that um but it's not gonna be many of you so uh you know i can see why nick thought maybe the focus should be around him more and blah 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 but doesn't every wrestler on the planet um and, you know, there's a lot of people saying, oh, Billy's being petty about this and stuff like that. You know, eh. is he, though? Or is Nick kind of being a douchebag right now? Is Nick need to be out there, like, burying the company? Like, he literally, like, did a public video and he took it down. But he literally did a video saying NWA is embarrassing and I don't want to be there anymore. I don't want to associate with it. That's a fucking dickish thing to say before Billy ever said a goddamn word about this. So if all this is real, Billy going back out there now and burying, and he buried all this on Busted Open. And all this has been burying uh, Billy on Twitter and, you know, his Instagram and that kind of shit. But uh, it's getting pretty nasty. And, and, you know, Billy said, too, like, look, man. You're not gonna hurt me. I'm Billy fucking Corgan. You know what I mean? People have been trying to kill my career for, you know, while you were still eating Cheerios. You didn't say that, but that's, I mean, it's the truth, right? So, uh, all this isn't gonna. This isn't gonna. It's hard to say, man, because a lot of people like see how Nick's trying to be out there spinning it now. Like, oh, I hope all these other talents are watching and. Like fucking Billy's just going to go on it Open or wherever and just bury every talent that leaves the company. That's not the case. He's clearly upset with Nick about the way things were handled. And it seems like communication's been shut off completely between two people that were pretty much friends, you know, not just business partners, but friends through their business relationship and uh you know if it's all true it's sad that this kind of shit happens in wrestling and uh you know both sides have an argument per se um but why wasn't nick all all you know picked up by wwe or aew in the past and all says oh i turned aew down and perhaps he did we don't know right tony signs everybody so that could be the case um but Billy came out and said on busted open that Nick has a reputation for being difficult. You know, he's fine when everything's about Nick, but as soon as the booking goes against what Nick likes, Nick gets whiny and complaining and bitchy and difficult. And now uh, he's certainly not shy to go out there and bury the entire company. And that's another thing Billy said too. It's like, if our company's so bad and so horrible, you were just with us for like years. So what's that say about you? And look, you know, go start your own promotion and, and run a women's fucking pay-per-view and all women's pay-per-view with talent that's not on WWE or not on AEW and see how far you get, right? See how that works out for you. Now, look, um... My final thoughts on this are this: I don't particularly like Nick Aldis. Um, I don't, I don't find him all that charismatic or intriguing to watch. I don't. I, I have all the respect in the world for people that can wrestle good, but it's not going to make me spend money on you or even care to watch you. A good wrestler is a dime a dozen. Anybody can be a good wrestler. There's millions. There's not millions, but there, there's hundreds of good wrestlers out there right like like uh, it takes more than that to be a star on tv to sell pay-per-views in in pretending you're rick flair dressing up in a suit and you know i'm the world's champion you know what i mean like eh, doesn't do anything for me you know uh, he's a charisma vacuum personality in my opinion, or at least not what I'm looking for, you know, there's nothing that makes me want to see Nick all this. Um, and, 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 you know, when I hear him talk, he doesn't impress me all that much either. I'm not talking about promo, I'm talking about this kind of shit. Uh, on the other hand, you know, I like that, uh, Billy's, Billy's willing to push back and, and look, I, I, you know have a bit of a music background myself and i'm not going to say like i'm going to always side with the musicians or anything but uh, i'm with billy on this one personally though i will say um you know i don't like the nwa i do think that he's booking it poorly i do think i don't even know if booking put po- well it depends you know i'm not saying like his storylines or whatever suck you know I, and i don't watch enough to really know the ins and outs of them I can tell you that Trevor Murdoch and Tyrus are not people that you should build your company around. Clearly, he's going for something different, and that's fine. I think you get that title on Matt Cardona, and you fucking just pff, run with his ass as far as you possibly can. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, NWA is is uh, I very missable at this point nobody's paying money to see trevor murdoch uh but with all of that said what do you guys think this has been an interesting development i'm still on the fence part of me thinks it's a work just because they are this is such a public thing going into a pay-per-view you know maybe all this appears at the paper you know it could stir up buzz for the company and it's an outside the box way to uh blur the lines of kayfabe and kind of stir up some attention for your company maybe it's maybe it's not though because you know like billy said you know i have a pay-per-view i'm trying to promote and i gotta come on here and i gotta talk about fucking nick aldis and all the stupid shit he's saying on twitter you know i'd rather be talking about my pay-per-view but in that same sentence he's talked about his pay-per-view twice so what's going on is it a work? Is it real? And if it is real, uh, who do you side with? Do you think Billy is obligated to just spend a bunch of money on a fucking women, all women show? And he's a misogynist and a douchebag and 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 more interested in Trevor Murdoch's and tyruses of the world than uh, Nick Aldis. And Nick Aldis is your baby face in this. Or do you think Nick Aldis is kind of a complainy complainer? kind of a douchebag a little bit and kind of overblowing this whole thing to uh, do exactly what Billy said and just fucking get himself over make make uh, create an angle out of nothing to propel him into his free agency who knows let me know your thoughts in the comments down below if you're watching on YouTube and we'll catch you in the next clip so now as I finish that clip, we now have Nick Aldis breaking his silence as uh, other than his previous tweets, he hasn't had anything else to say about this so this was his first interview since all of this happened it came after billy corgan's interview on busted open so let's go ahead and follow up with this clip here with nick aldis appearing on sam roberts show not sam wrestling did a great full-length in-depth interview and they talked a lot about this a lot from nick aldis's side of the story and he kind of filled in the blanks and clarified what he was talking about when he was embarrassed to be a part of the company and all of that. Check out this clip with Nick Aldis responding to Billy Corgan's comments on Busted Open and leaving the NWA.
3: But look, I I gave my notice. I said I gave my notice. And I sort of alluded to why. Um, It certainly wasn't intended to be this sort of, you know burial of of the NWA or anything like that yeah why would I do that I would just be burying um, myself that, yeah that's like, what, that's the question a lot of the people. thing that I've you know the 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 thing that I've been like most heavily associated with for the last five years like and then I would turn around and go nah, it sucks like no I didn't know I' would just, it's it's things in the beginning were good between oh, you and yeah, Billy. yeah yeah Yeah. you you and Billy like when you're doing 10 pounds ago and the brain was going, yeah, you yeah. and Billy were great together right? yeah okay. yeah no it was all good I mean Look, this the the sad truth is, and I don't want to spend the whole time talking about this. Sure, the, the basically the th- things got got harder when he became more hands on, mm. because at first he was quite hands off, quite remote, and was, you know, just sort of lending ideas and and sort of notes here and there. Gotcha, right? Gotcha. And suddenly it, it turned into something else, and. Try to be as nice as i can about this
2: mm-hmm.
3: he's not very good at it you know and i can't i wish i wish it i wish it wasn't the case but again it's not really for me to say it's for the audience to say and my decision to leave has come from the fact that the audience have told us You <laughs> know, the audience have left in droves
0: you know, I don't know how Dre and Ice Cube and Eazy-E are going to be able to continue forward without Nick Aldis in the group. But I'm sure being managed by Billy Corgan, the NWA certainly has a huge future. You know, I'm going to stick by... What I said for the most part, uh, because, you know, keep in mind the first clip that I did there. And if you're watching these as separate clips on YouTube, I will link uh, at the end card where it gives you like the next option to watch of the uh, clip with Billy Corrigan on Busted Open. Um, but, you know, I'm going to kind of stick with what I had said that I, I'm not a huge Nick Aldis fan, and I do think there is some truth to what Billy was saying, that Aldis is kind of just trying to run an angle here. He's <laughs> trying to get himself over at the expense of NWA so that he can leave to another territory, if you will, and uh, have a little bit of buzz behind him going in. Yeah. Um, You know, he's in Corgan said he's difficult to work with or has a reputation for being difficult to work with. Um, But you know what? To be fair, you know, all that aside, my personal feelings about Nick Aldis, and I don't hate the guy. He's never done me dirty or anything. I just don't find him particularly. He's not my guy. You know what I mean? I'm not going to buy a Nick Aldis T-shirt. You know what I'm saying? Um, But he had a lot of good points, too uh you know he feels that the nwa is becoming something different than what it was when he was there now billy corgan would jump in right now and he would tell me that that's because nick's not the champ anymore um you know uh, billy made it very clear he's like you know nick was very happy being a part of business when nick was the champ and he was the focal point he was the center of things and nick kind of echoed that a little bit in this interview with sam where you know he had said when the nwa started or started back up i should say certainly not when it started um, but when the nwa came back around when billy took over would be the best way to say it uh, i was the nick aldis show you know he he was doing that uh whole angle with the uh older guy I forgot his name already um doesn't matter but uh you know all this was the guy and now the nwa is in a place where they have other talents matt cardona and tyrus and fucking trevor murdoch and th- these are people that billy wants to push um but i get it i get what all this is saying too there's a lot of like clowny stuff coming into it now and all this puts this on the fact that when the nwa kind of started back up billy wasn't the guy that was running things day to day like he was the owner he would can you know he would send feedback and he would contribute parts to the overall product but in general he had somebody else running it now he's more hands-on and according to nick he just sucks at being hands-on um nick had mentioned that there was a social distancing match i didn't hear about this at all and i haven't seen it i'm not saying it didn't happen i'm sure it did right uh and maybe you guys could point me to that or paste the link in the comments if you're watching on youtube i did try to search for it I couldn't find it. I did find one from GCW with Joey Janela, which I promptly sent to Jim Cornette, by the way, just to see if he would react to it. I don't know if he will or not. We'll see because that's like two years old. But, um, you know, if that's the case in the NWA is doing stuff like that, that's a line too far. That's silly shit. Um, You know, GCW is one place for that kind of stuff. But to do it in the NWA... You know when all this talks about uh it started to not pass the uh pass the harley race sniff test you know um what would harley think what would harley do that's something that punk always asked too you know he's very big admirer of harley race these guys love their harley race right um look i don't blame nick aldis for leaving if he felt that the nwa was becoming something that wasn't a good fit for his character anymore something that was embarrassing for him look he said it He can try to backtrack it or say you know well you know blah 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 blah, blah. Um, but at the end of the day he said that the nwa embarrassed him it's becoming embarrassing and he doesn't want his name associated with it if he really honestly feels that way then i don't blame the guy for wanting to get out um i think the problem kind of lies in the communication over this thing and trying to bury nwa on the way out you know publicly saying this kind of stuff and, and look this tried to backtrack it you know he got on with sam and he's just like you know that makes me look bad if i'm saying that but you said it so you said that nwa is embarrassing and that you don't want to be part of it anymore um i don't blame him but you don't say that kind of stuff publicly you don't air your dirty laundry publicly and I do think him doing that is strategic because now it's getting him talked about. It's getting him interviews. And what this is going to do is it's going to put a little buzz around Nick Aldis's free agency, which is going to make Mark like Tony Khan want to pick him up or maybe Triple H wants to bring him in for something um, with all that. So, so I think, I think at the end of the day, and they're both in the wrong look, Billy doesn't need to be going on busted open to, 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 air more dirty laundry about this too you know he very simply could have said you know i i it's sad that nick feels the need to talk about this but we're gonna continue just doing our thing at the nwa here and that's really all you needed to say but billy um you know unless this is all a giant work which you know there's still you know I'm gonna, my inner road dog is coming out here a little bit um <laughs> thinking the montreal screw was a work um which it you know could be <laughs> you never know in wrestling you never know when a screw job uh, or i'm sorry you never know when a work is afoot in the wrestling business right anytime any kind of big angle happens when it's a, supposedly a real life angle the first thing half the people in the wrestling business fans and wrestlers alike think it's a work because it's wrestling come on everything's a work right even if it's not a work it is a certain extent and uh, it appears Nick Aldis is working, and look, you know Billy's working too. Billy's got a, a safe face for himself as a promoter, and the NWA as a company. And you know, if this is going to try to bury the NWA on his way out, maybe Billy feels the need to uh, bury Aldis on the way out as well. Um, but who knows? It could, it could all just be a big work. And um, but if it's not, everybody's kind of in the wrong a little bit here. You know, and I see there's no issues with all this leaving. There's issues in how he left. And then to bring the women's pay-per-view into it and get Mickey on board. And look, Mickey's his wife. She's always going to take her man's side, or any good wife would anyway, right? She's not going to look at her man, even if he's wrong, and be like, you know what? I'm on Billy's side in this one. You know, Billy was in no obligation to pay for that women's pay-per-view again after the first one didn't make money. That's ridiculous. And Mickey should not be offended by that. it's all a big mess. It's all a bunch of drama. But look, hey, it gives us something to talk about. You know, like last week was slow week, a very slow week. You know, there wasn't a whole lot to talk about. This week, there's tons of shit to talk about. So uh, I just kind of wanted to add my two cents to this. And you know, for Nick Aldis as a free agent, he's a bigger name on the indies. I'm sure he'll land somewhere, whether it's back in Impact or i'm sure tony khan's got the checkbook wide open for him already you know ready to write him a fucking million dollars a year um you know though uh i don't know i guess mickey's signed the impact right but you know if tony could bring in mickey and all this as a package deal i think there's some value to that there's value to mickey for the women's division but I don't see the value in Nick Aldis, but you know, it'll be interesting to see where he turns up and yeah, come at me, bro. In the comments about that, look, not everybody. He's a, he's a generic Walmart version of Cody Rhodes with the suit and the tie, which is, you know, uh, a generic Walmart version of Ric Flair to begin with. And whoever did that before him, you know what I mean? But right now, Cody Rhodes is the suit wearing slick, you know, carrying myself with dignity and prestige and Nick Aldis is just like the British uh, bargain bin version of that, in my humble opinion. Soraya made her third appearance on the Sessions podcast with Renee Paquette this week, talking about her AEW debut, her AEW promo, signing with Tony Khan, her getting medically cleared. That was a really big part of this conversation. Uh, Apparently, Paige has come out and she said, Paige, Soraya has come out and said that she is 100% cleared. She posted the doctor's note, which was kind of, it was like a four words, five word sentence. And then a little signature is Soraya is cleared to wrestle without restrictions, basically, I think is what it said. Um, That's... And you know we all kind of blamed like the doctors and that kind of thing. Uh, you know, or the AEW doctors is oh yeah, of course the AEW doctors are clearing, but apparently it wasn't. Uh, it was an outside source, and that just enough time has allowed the spinal fluid to build back up in her in, around her neck to where she's got a little bit of cushion and protection. You know, if she does get a little little pa in the back of the head or something, you know, without that spinal fluid there, one little bump could just fucking be Paralysis, but that's there to protect the spinal cord. As long as that's there, she should be okay. And it looks like it's back to normal levels. Um, but everything, you know, the fuse and all that seems to be working good. So, thumbs up there. She's ready to come back. That was a big part of this conversation. And, and you know, she's going to be careful, maybe not take crazy bumps. Uh, She said she was inspired by the stone cold Steve Austin match with Kevin Owens where he didn't take any bumps at all. So I wouldn't look for her to be doing a lot of crazy shit with Brit. Um, But you know, she's back and that's good. But one thing about that is the fans don't seem so happy about it. She got the big old pop ski when she first came back. Uh, What was it all out? I don't even remember anymore. No, she came back in New York. um, The fucking grand slam. And then, uh, you know, it was the next week that she cut that promo, and it was kind of a train wreck, and she kind of sucked, and the fans roasted her online after that. Like, she caught a lot of hate. Unnecessarily, in my opinion. Look, uh, well, just listen to the clip, and then I'll give you my thoughts on the back end.
4: I can look at this all, but it was all very supportive. Even social media was really nice until a week later. <laughs> and then it all kind of turned a little bit. I was like, oh man. And then I remember texting you with the following week and just being like, Renee, I don't know if I can handle this. And you kind of took me off the ledge a
0: lot. Yeah, it's a different world. AEW and WWE are run differently. You're thrown in the deep end. We're out there and we're making it happen. And then the fans got up in arms about the whole thing.
4: And I didn't even think it was like that awful. You know what I mean? Like I was like, I don't think it was that bad. Like watching it back, I was like, I don't think it's that bad. But there is some fans on the internet where it's like, if you go over to AEW from WWE, they fucking hate your guts. That's it. You're toast. You're dead to them. And they make it known and they go crazy. And I was like, I said to you, I was like, I haven't seen this level of toxicity in a very fucking long time like it is crazy like I can't even look at my social media I made the rookie mistake of looking at it after the promo and people just fucking buried me and like I didn't know what the fuck I was gonna say there's no plan with these promos either like you have to go out there and say whatever but I'm but I also don't know what I'm supposed to say like what am I doing here like what am I supposed to say like what is the plan I don't know so I'm just like oh fuck well I can make that revolution and then like once I go out there Like, the nerves just hit me like a ton of bricks. I was just like, and I don't want to make excuses for it. I really don't. Like, I fucked up. It is what it is. But I started stumbling my words and stuff. I mean, saying fucked up is, like, drastic. It's not like you went out there and said something wrong or bad
5: or, like, you know, you went out and it was just like, shit, you've not done it in a minute. And you're just in a new world. And
6: you're, like, readjusting. People are just very unforgiving in those situations.
0: Yeah, she was very hurt by this she did those comments almost made her second guess even coming back to begin with you guys got to be careful out there we as a wrestling community like you know we we look at our entertainers and we expect them to be superheroes and entertain us and, and everything to be to our liking And, you know, we got to realize that these are people out there, not just people in that their feelings get hurt. And when you say stupid shit like that, that can really fuck with sensitive people. But also just in that she hasn't done this in years and years and years. She has not wrestled. She hasn't cut a promo. She's rusty. She's not. And she wasn't like the greatest promo in the world to begin with. So, you gotta cut her slack and then on top of that it's a different kind of promo in aew it's like there's no script you know what i mean in wwe here's what we want you to say exactly word for word and, and go out and nail it and she was very vocal uh about the fact that aew didn't really give her any direction and it was uncomfortable for her at first because she's out there without the training wheels. She talked about this on Jericho's podcast. Now she kind of went into it here with Renee as well. But there was no direction given to her when she went out there. And like on one hand, that's really bad. Like when you have a star like Soraya, um, you got to have, give her direction at the very least. Let her know where you want things to go. But it seems like everything was very up in the air. Like Tony doesn't even have an idea for her. This reminds me of WCW. They were just signing people. And then, you know, all the, a lot of those people were saying like they didn't know how to use us. They didn't have any plan for us. Bret Hart, remember when he got brought into the I'm digressing here, just bear with me. Remember when he got brought into WCW? Like he was used so shitty. He could have been like the guy that finished you know the, the story that they were telling was Sting to beat the NWO and win the championship. Well, they quickly Flipped to flopped on that because sting didn't get his tan uh you know (laughs) to to hogan's liking so they put the big kibosh on that push they could have came in and did something similar with brett where brett was the hero that finally took the belt from hogan at Starcade, you know at the next year or the year after that or whatever um but it just wasn't to be and with soraya it, it seems to be that's the direction again you bring in the star and I, I don't know we'll figure it out and same thing was said for renee like there was no actual plan here's what i want well i don't know we'll just bring in and we'll figure it out from there you can't do that you can't you can't do that and so soraya's out there bringing it back to her um she's out there without any kind of net. She's on live TV. There's no script. There's no bullet points. There's no direction. We don't even know where you're going to be. You know, if you're going to be feuding, we don't know. You're not cleared to wrestle yet. At this point, it, there's literally no direction just here. Here's a microphone. Go be page. Go say hi to the crowd. You know what I mean? Now look, uh, I could do that. You know what I mean? Like last time I worked and I'm not trying to bury Sarea here. Uh, i'm just saying you know last time that i appeared uh in an indie fed you know it was basically like yeah go cut a promo you know it wasn't working any kind of angle or anything it was just like a surprise appearance to hey just go out there and fucking whatever you know what i mean and i went out there and cut a hell of a promo but if i guess if you're not used to doing it on the fly like that and i'm not trying to get myself over i'm just saying like a talent should be able to come up with something on the fly. You know what I mean? Especially like wrestlers are a creative bunch. You should be able to just gladly take a microphone and go talk. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, fuck. Yeah. I can go fill a promo. I'll think of something. Don't worry about it. You know what I mean? Sorry. I had no direction and she cites that and just that in her rust. And, but the fans ate her up for botching it out there and she's now she's got it in her head she's probably gonna fuck up again though she cut a hell of a promo she kind of redeemed herself she really did other than just burying brit a little bit i felt like she buried brit in her most recent promo i'm um, just kind of saying you know what have you done you haven't done nothing you've been handed everything it's the same kind of it's the same shit that punk was saying when he was at the uh uh, at the press conference you know like hangman what has he ever done oh i don't know only ever been the world heavyweight champion you know of the second biggest company in the world so i that's something but they dismiss it these wwe people are dismissive of anything like oh you haven't been to madison square garden right it's my best it's the best british accent i could do just fuck off a little bit okay um But, you know, aside from that, she cut a hell of a promo. So I think she'll get her mojo back. And we got to be we got to give these people time to get their wheels back under them. You know, Uh, even the the very best of people are a little bit rusty at first when they first come back. You know what I mean? You got to you got to give people a little bit of leeway. You got to give Soraya time. And she's got to find Soraya. She was with WWE playing Paige. Which, you know, wasn't really a character, it was her, but it was, you know, she's being told, she's being booked the, the whole way through. Here's what you're doing. Here's where we're going. Here's what we want you to say. Here's how we want you to look. Go do it. You know what I mean? And now she gets the opportunity to just go out there and create on a blank canvas. And this is harder to do for some people. And it shouldn't be. I think every wrestler should have the ability to create on a blank canvas from scratch. I think any wrestler should jump at the opportunity to be handed a microphone and and given the opportunity to go fill time on national TV. I'm not saying she wasn't jumping at the opportunity, but any wrestler should have in their skill set to be able to go out there and fill that time. You know what I mean? and, and to be able to be creative and, and put your matches together and put your angles together. Um, I think the people that are struggling in AEW are the people that are not as creative. And that's fine. Maybe we need to filter this out. We need to separate. That's the difference between sports entertainment and pro wrestling. Um one of the major ones anyways, right, is AEW is a wrestling company. You come over here, the WWE guys like a Miz is going to walk into AEW and fucking, ah, well, this kind of kind of animal house are you running here? This place is, you know, the fucking screws are coming out of the wood here. You don't have anything written. There's no script for me. You don't have a plan for me. Ah, it ain't that kind of thing. Come in and Create jericho loves it because he's a creative guy and he gets to basically make up any kind of bullshit that he wants to do and that could be a detriment right fans watch jericho and think some of the shit he does is cringe and stupid but he's doing all that and he's even come out and said the first promo that he cut in aew or unscripted was like a little bit nerve-wracking on live tv because it's like oh shit, can i still do this on the fly every wrestler should have the ability to speak on the fly without a script and every wrestler should have the ability to i think be able to wrestle a match on the fly i think you shouldn't graduate wrestling school until you're able to both follow a match play by play and put one together on the fly you know, they should run drills in wrestling schools where they have a script and you're planning it out beat for beat. And then somebody pretends they're hurt, right? Like, okay, I want my knees out. So now we got to, we can't do this now. We got to, we got to wing the match from here. We got to call it on the fly and, and run through those drills. So these people are prepared for these kind of things before they reach national TV. That's just my humble opinion. And Soraya, I think a lot of people forget. I'm about to wrap up here. I won't go too much longer on Soraya, but um, I think a lot of people forget that she's and i I was guilty of this too, you know, that Soraya kind of represents, even though she was the anti- diva, I feel like she really represents that diva era still to me. and, you know, she's. Bogged down by a lot of the partying in the uh, uh Alberto Del Rio shit and the, you know, the Xavier Woods, Brad Maddox fucking shit and the cum shots on the NXT title and like, oh my goodness, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like she's been defined by a lot of the diva activities. Um, but I think we forget that she was born and raised in the wrestling business. She fucking loves wrestling. I think she is at her core. I think she is a wrestling fan and a rest. It's like in her blood, literally in her blood. But I mean, you know, I, I think we don't give Soraya the credit enough for being a wrestler. And I think it's time for her to kind of now that she's cleared and now that she has a blank canvas to work on and she's a big enough star to basically call her own shots uh i think it's time for saraya to go out and live the life of a pro wrestler a little bit go in there and start creating some great bodies of work and i hope you know we're starting to see some decent shit between her and brett I really hope they're able to deliver and she's able to build off of that, regain her confidence and go out there and have the whole second run of her career and really end things her way. And on a high note, the good brothers are back in the WWE, the OC, if you will. I'll always call them the good brothers. They'll always be the good brothers to me. We're talking about Gallows. We're talking about Anderson. Uh, The OG Bullet Club is finally back in the WWE. And they were on after the bell with Corey Graves this week and had a great conversation. In my opinion, this was the least drunk and loose and all over the place that I've heard the good brothers in podcast format in a long time, you know, it was a very solid interview um, where they talked all about it. You know, they talked about the good brothers leaving WWE. They talked about, you know, they, like hey, we were just in the goddamn main event of WrestleMania and now we're getting let go. So they talked about that. They talked about, you know, going back out on the Indies and doing AEW, doing impact, doing new Japan. Um, there was a very good conversation with Corey Graves, kind of catching up with the good brothers, finding out, you know, where they were, you know, for those that weren't following their career, that they just kind of the WWE only fans, not their only fans account though. That would be fun. They should start an only fans and have some of the lovely ladies and Hey, I mean, even gentlemen for so many of you guys out there. Right, right, right. Um, uh no but uh, you know if you're only a wwe fan you're not aware of uh, the roads that are traveled outside of the wwe system so it was good to catch up with the good brothers there but it was in this particular clip that they kind of addressed the whole thing about carl anderson's still a fucking champion in new japan how does that work check out this clip
5: and i know you guys stayed busy as a unit, uh, together. But Carl, correct me if I'm mistaken, you currently still hold a title for new Japan. I I am the, the new Japan pro wrestling, never open weight champion. And big LG is my heater at all times.
1: And that will continue until we see otherwise.
5: How does that work? How how, are are you, do you have to go back or are you, I'm going to go back on my time when it went. Okay. So new Japan pro wrestling usually strips, strips their champions when they can't make a show, and. They they threw a leniency leniency in there because they announced a match for me when we hadn't told, totally agreed on what we we're going to do. We didn't know the dates, so the dates the dates are coming up, and some and this is well, this is probably going to this will be good to uh, explain this. I'm going to come back and I'm going to defend my championship, but on your terms. Just relax. Give it a, give it a second, <laughs> brother Graves. Not you, the people <laughs> that are really getting ugly. I've got people. <laughs> <some, laughs> I've got some, <laughs> some slanderous tweets. <laughs> No, it, it's, it's like I, I saw Shinsuke at uh, NXT about oh, a couple weeks ago. And and even he, he pulls me aside and he goes, Chado, uh, big problem. You, New Japan, big heat because of uh, Never Title? Because even, Shin, even Shinsuke doesn't know. Doesn't understand what's right, going right, on. And, and yeah. just for anybody listening, for, for the sake of anybody who may not be familiar, the, the Japanese as a culture do business very differently and that includes the sports entertainment industry and there there are certain lines that you don't cross and it's it's very different than it is here in the United States and and the the brand that you work for it, there's there's a loyalty goes very far and it, there's a lot of separation over there as opposed to kind of a big business so yeah which which can also Teeter in the personal life where the boys can get mad at you, thinking you're actually doing something, and don't realize because they've <laughs> the boys. Yeah, <laughs> they do. Yes, they do. they the boys. <laughs> no, but then I, but I told Shin, I said, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go back at some point. And we are. We're just trying to figure out work out the dates because you know WWE is man. You're live. What well, you're live every Monday. You're live. You know, you got you got to go to Saudi Arabia.
0: This is really interesting because this goes into a bigger question. Is that I, I assume carl's just gonna go to japan and drop the belt because the schedules aren't gonna match up you know as carl said in the interview you know it's it's at least a four-day trip just to go do a day there you know what i mean uh but is the forbidden door open or is this at least dipping the toe in the water for wwe to see if the forbidden door is open to them uh, you know, there's some because look at Shinsuke Nakamura is going to work at Noah to, to work. Muda, I guess, is on a retirement tour of some kind. Um, god damn, the Muda's fantastic, too, isn't he? Like Muda's one of those guys, like he was like the first guy. Him and Chushin Liger were like the first two guys, at least when I was a kid, they were the only ones I was aware of to really come on over to the united states and have a run over here and get their name spread here which i think really did a lot for their legendary status now uh there was moments you know wwe has dipped their toe into being open before they had uh you know they had uh kenru and katow uh tenru and katow on uh, wrestlemania seven and then they did a royal rumble i think as well then there was the royal rumble in texas where uh, wwe is working with a lot of, i don't know if it was CMLL or AAA, uh, but they definitely had a lot of those guys in the royal rumble as well and they've always kind of dipped their toe into maybe maybe not uh you remember shushan and came to nxt to work with um uh, to work with Tyler Breeze. And and that makes me think, look, Triple H, as much as he came up under McMahon and he learned promoting and all that under McMahon, Triple H is an old school wrestling fan. He's an old school NWA guy. He's a Harley Race guy. He's a Ric Flair guy. He's a territories guy. Triple H is not a fucking... Sports entertainment is the only way, and Vince McMahon is, you know what I mean? Now, he's going to keep a lot of that stuff, but if anybody in WWE is ever going to be able to make something like this happen or be open to something like this happening, a forbidden door, uh, working with other promotions, it is Triple H, and he's already shown signs that he's willing to do that, not just letting... Carl Anderson and Nakamura both go work in Japan, but bringing Shushin Liger in. um, and, And I believe there were talks, you know, at some point to do more with New Japan back in the day. And I hold now, I don't think this is going to extend to AEW. I think there is a rivalry there being the two top United States promotions, even though WWE is leaps and bounds above AEW. Look, we all know that, but AEW is solidly a number two right that's not up for debate and they are a little bit of a headache to wwe because they have the money to bring in the big stars you know they have the money to steal guys away from you um so wwe is not going to play friendly with them but in i don't know that they'll play friendly with anybody in the united states to be quite frank but if they're going to open the door to uh to japan i i don't know you know new japan's got a good relationship with wwe current or i mean with aew currently but you never know i mean carl's going over there and rocky does a lot of the office work between you know for the united states and in new japan um you know he kind of brokers a lot of that stuff so there's rocky romero has already admitted that he had talks with nick khan at one point in time and that was while triple uh while Vince McMahon was in charge. So now with Triple H in charge, I, I I do think, I absolutely think that the door is open to see some crazy shit. And I would love that. I would absolutely love it. Uh if nothing more, just to see, you know even just these random one-offs are really all you need what if we got to see like fergal Devitt go make a return for one night only in the tokyo dome for a wrestle kingdom show right like what if they were able to work that out nakamura's going back now no he's going back to noah but i mean open that fucking door up and let some of the especially let some of the japanese stars go back and let aj styles go work the tokyo i keep bringing it back to the tokyo because that's their biggest show but any of these shows let aj go do some do a match in new japan just a one-off let fergo go do a, a one-off in new japan let the good brothers let let wouldn't it be something if carl anderson retains the never open weight title and it's just it's one of those things like the summer of punk right where we knew uh, Punk in in Ring of Honor was going to WWE, so obviously he's gonna drop the, the Ring of Honor title, right? Or or not win the Ring of Honor title, and and of course he does win the Ring of Honor title, and, and now the story is he's gonna take it with him. So I mean, like just for the sake of you know keeping you guessing and keeping things interesting, what if Carl goes over there and where you think he's obviously just gonna drop the title and then clean break? Uh, what if he what if he retains the title and and he's still the champ? That's some good shit. that's some good booking and you know in turn, you know, you bring a couple Japanese guys over to what if? you know what I mean? like they can let AJ and fucking Good Brothers and Fergal and Nakamura all go have some fun in New Japan and in return they get to bring Okada in to work with somebody, right? Can you imagine? Or fucking Naito fucking coming in and just going tranquilo on somebody. Like, the, the possibilities are endless. And I I love the idea of it. And I think, though I, I'm not going to hold my breath or get my hopes up that it's possible. But, uh, you know, if anybody could open a forbidden door to the WWE, it's Triple H. MJF was announced as having a role on the upcoming Von Erich movie featuring Zach Efron. He's going to be playing Lance Von Eric, who was uh, the fake Von Eric, the gimmicked Von Eric, if you will. Um, MJ, like, this is why this is a big deal, okay? And this is why I wanted to talk about this because it. it the, the Von Erich movie is going to come and it's going to go and it's not going to be anything special because nobody at the end of the day, nobody gives a fuck about the Von Erichs anyway. Who's going to buy? Who's going to pay? You know, us wrestling marks will check it out because it'll be interesting and because MJF's in it, especially now that's going to help. But, you know, like there's a Vin, there's a Hulk Hogan movie coming up with fucking uh, um, uh, what's his name? Thor fucking Hemsworth, Chris Hemsworth. I know his name, I didn't forget his name. It's just when you're recording and you're on the spot, you brain fart. Plus, I, I smoke a lot of pot, and that doesn't help either. Kids, you kids, um, but there's bigger wrestlers, there's a McMahon biopic, there's bigger wrestling movies. Nobody gives in the big, big scheme of things, nobody gives a fuck about the Von Erics, right? Um, unless you're in from Texas. It was funny, I worked with somebody. It's Just a quick sidebar here. I worked with somebody once in like a call center and she was an older lady and she was from Texas and uh, she found out I was a wrestling fan and she was like, oh, I used to go see the, the, in the sportatorium, you know, she talked about, she went to the Dallas sportatorium. She's talking about going to see the shows. uh, And she was like, oh, that Michael Hayes. She was fucking in love. Like she was just gushing his long blonde hair. I used to love me that Michael Hayes. Like, (laughs) I love that story because you hear like I'm not from Texas and I wasn't around as a wrestling fan back then. So like you hear stuff on the DVDs and that kind of thing. But to actually talk to somebody. Uh, Where I'm from, you know, up in the Midwest from somebody that was lived in Texas and went to the sportatorium and was in love with fucking Michael Hayes. Just wow. Love that story. But yeah, uh, other than that lady, nobody's going to give a fuck about this movie. But in Zac Efron, he's a great actor, by the way. He's going to do really well as uh, Carrie Von Eric. And it'll be interesting to see, like, you know, do people play Vince? I always I get a kick out of that. You know, who's going to be playing? These real life people, you know, I know Cornette was just talking about that, how it's hard because all of these people were like characters and, and they, they were cartoons come to life. You know, they were real life superheroes and villains that they were. It's hard to cast people like that, like with Young Rock and stuff like that. It's interesting to see them do it, how how they pull it off, you know, because it's hard to cast some of these people because they're so and I think Young Rock actually does a decent job with their casting. I really do um but besides that uh mjf being in this movie is the more the reason i really wanted to talk about this is that m this is just a stepping stool for mjf think about this uh we all know mjf's destined for greatness and he's already said that he wants to go that hollywood is going to be his next thing he's already told us he wants to be an actor when the rock think back how did The Rock start to break into movies, right? Rock's the biggest action. He's the biggest actor, period. He's like the highest paid, I believe. He's a megastar, right, in in Hollywood. And how did he get his start? What was his first appearance? Wasn't it on fucking That 70s Show playing, like, his dad or something? No. Yeah, didn't he play his dad or who? He played somebody in that fucking... Yeah, he did play his dad. He played Rocky it doesn't fucking matter anyway who he played. He was on that 70s show and he played a wrestler. And I kind of equate this MJF this is his first role, but he's dipping his toe into this and you know what's going to be the next thing he's going to get a small part in an action movie somewhere like fucking like Rock did and then just cuz wrestlers Everybody in Hollywood loves working with wrestlers. They're starting to learn that. Like, look like at James Gunn, who just took over DC completely. DC was now broken off as its own separate entity, which is also actually a sign that it's probably going to get sold at some point. But Warner Brothers Discovery, AEW's buddies there over over there, um, just broke DC Comics off, DC Studios off as its own thing. Kind of like Disney did with uh, Marvel and Star Wars, you know, they're not under Disney, they're under Star Wars, which is just owned by Disney, Lucasfilms, you know what I mean? So um, he just took over fucking uh, uh, James Gunn just took over DC and he was the guy that did uh, the Suicide Squad movie with John Cena. And then he said outright that he loved working with John Cena specifically so much that he wanted to do a whole separate TV show. And what opened his mind up to working with John Cena? Because Batista was so easy to work with when he did the Guardians of the Galaxy movie with him. So he knows that wrestlers are fun and easy to work with because they are because they're on point. It was like we were talking earlier, if you're listening to the full show, um, but otherwise in a separate clip, I talked about Soraya. And it's like wrestlers should have the ability to be able to think on the fly, to be creative. And and Rock's smart, he takes direction well, you know what I mean? Uh, MJF, same thing. You know, like he's has those same characteristics. Cena had those same characteristics. Batista has those same characteristics. People, all of that to say people in big names in Hollywood because James Gunn is a fucking studio head now. And if you think he's not going to be open to working with more wrestlers, he created the Peacemaker show just to work with John Cena more. He created it to work with John Cena more. Okay, that wasn't like a big plan. Anybody's like, oh, yeah, we got to bring this obscure Peacemaker guy. No, it was simply like I had a lot of fun working with John Cena. I want to make a whole TV show for him. and Now he's the head of that studio under Warner Brothers Discovery, one of the biggest fucking movie movie studios in the whole fucking world. Right. So um big things are on the rise for professional wrestlers getting into acting and the rock got his start basically doing the exact same thing playing a wrestler on a tv show this would be a movie but uh mjf man dipping his toe in you know next thing maybe he pops up on heels season three or he pops up on fucking he gets a role in an action movie like once he's in And if word starts getting around, he's easy to work with and he impresses people and he's actually good at it, which he will be because he's MJF. This man is going to be a megastar and he's so young, just like The Rock was. MJF's going to be done and out of the wrestling world and Hall of Fame level career. Like the, you know, done it all like The Rock did by the time he's less than 40 you know what i mean (laughs) under 40 and then he's gonna be able to just by then he'll have a couple movies under his belt he'll be able to go to hollywood and just fucking megastar megastar mjf is going places and we're seeing the very very roots of it right here in this fucking zach efron von eric zach f eric gimmick like how i did that the zach efron Von eric can't even talk. The mind freak himself, Chris Angel, was on Insight with Chris Van Vleet this week, talking all about his magic shit. He's got a, some sort of celebrity magic show that's out now where he teaches celebrities magic tricks, plugging his Vegas show and all that stuff. But it was in this particular clip as you ask yourself, why the fuck am I watching a wrestling show uh, and you're talking about a magician, Chris Angel, it doesn't make sense. In this particular clip, Chris Angel talks about how he got his start in the world of magic and where he found his first home, his first steady venue. Check out this clip. (laughs) <laughs> and we have something in common
1: other than you know our amazing first name. It's I'm a big WWE fan. All oh, right, on. we interview a lot of pro wrestlers on the show, and I know that you really got your first big break at it was WWF New York at the time.
6: That's true. The McMahon's uh, still good friends to this day, and gave me an opportunity to take their banquet room. In the basement of the, what well, was the WWF? Then he got the F out and it was WWE. And, uh, you know, eventually I was supposed to do like a few weeks there. It ended up turning into, uh, I did, uh, over a year. I think I did 14 months there, uh, did 600 performances, um, Broadway and 43rd in the basement there in a makeshift theater that I created. And it was the real start. Of all of these other things that uh to follow, were which was my first television uh special on uh on a network, then and and then another one. And then I went to Japan and did one, and then then I finally sold Mind Freak. So it all kind of evolved and and escalated uh from the WWE. They kind of gave me my first break break, uh, thanks to the McMahon's.
0: Yeah. It was wwe new york it was the wwe that gave chris angel his first break this is where he was still on the rise he was still this was before mind freak this is before anybody knew who the fuck he was he was just a magician in new york trying to make a name for himself and the first full-time gig that he got the first time i don't even know if it was a, like a gig paid gig but the first opportunity the first bone that he was thrown in the inter- industry was he got the free reign to create a show on a regular basis down in one of the basement banquet rooms of wwf new york at the time um, if you remember that they did a uh They used to do uh, Sunday night heats from there for a time being. They'd have like uh, somebody there at WWF New York, you know, and they cut back to it from time to time. It was a thing that they were trying to promote for a while. It was like a club slash restaurant thing, WWEF themed in Times Square. Um, Probably got rid of it just because it was way too goddamn expensive and probably wasn't making that much money either. Um, but apparently they had a banquet room. And another thing that I love about this is that Chris Van Vleet, such a fucking wrestling nerd, right? Like, I don't know about you, but it, me personally, like I got to get wrestling in anywhere I can fit it in, right? If I'm talking to somebody and there's any like hint of mutual, like, oh, you used to watch wrestling or something, I'm going to cling on to that. You know what I mean? Uh, You know, so Chris Van Vliet, the very first, such a wrestling nerd, talking to a completely non-wrestling guy, very first question he asked was like, hey, we're both wrestling fans, and you got your start with WWE. Let's talk about that. And I was like, first thing he asked. I love that shit. I love Chris Van Vliet is a a very talented interviewer. He gets a lot of big names, and he's young, too. I had said this about Ariel, too, Ariel Hawani. Um, I'll throw Chris Van Vliet in this category, though I do think Ariel will become more of a, uh, you know, he's going to be one of the biggest interviewers of our time, you know, you can put Joe Rogan up there as that as, that as well, and I'd, put, I'd say Chris Van Vliet will find his way up there too, these guys are going to be bigger than YouTubers, you know what I mean, they are going to, they're young, I think, not like a Rogan, but you know, um These are the guys that are going to be interviewing like presidents and stuff, you know, when you always like see like the Barbara Walters interview or the Walter Cronkite interview or the whoever the fucking, you know, this old ass journalists that get all the major interviews, the big sit downs. Um, You know, it's going to be them. They're going to be interviewing some of the biggest names in the history of our time. Um, Like a Rogan already is pretty much, you know what I mean? He is everybody in there. So uh i i think ariel will ascend to that and i think chris van vliet will too maybe not as big as as like a rogan or a ariel um but i think chris van vliet is going to be doing a lot more than just wrestling interviews and stuff like that you know he gets celebrities he gets like the rock and stuff but just for like a couple minutes at like a media thing or whatever like uh he's just a talented guy i have full faith in his Continued success, I guess, is the best way I can say it. Um, if you're into magic, look, I I was a big mind freak fan. I watched Mind Freak quite a bit, and I like Chris Angel. I like I like magic tricks in general, I think they're fun. I think to a certain extent, there's some crossover with professional wrestling, right? Because it's uh it's something that you know isn't real, but you can't figure out what's fake about it necessarily, you know. Like, you can go, oh, that wrestling shit's fake, but then you see guys punch each other in the face. You know what I mean? So it's like, where's the the fake part coming? You know, other than it's predetermined, it's not. But um, (laughs) the uh, magic kind of works in the same way, does it not? You know, there's a lot of people that uh, have that intrigue and just how it's done. You know, what's the secret behind the trick kind of thing? So I really liked Mind Freak and Chris Angel's cool in my book. Um, and I just thought it was awesome that he got his start at WWF New York, um, which was he he specifically named the McMahon's, like it wasn't just like oh the guy who ran the restaurant, like he had a business relationship with the McMahon's specifically. I think Shane and vince uh probably more shane than vince at the time but uh i believe that's who was kind of brokering that deal shane was really good at a lot of those outside the box things shane's somebody i think should have got listened to more you know he's a big picture guy not not a detailed guy but a big picture guy he's on the right track you know trying to convince vince to buy ufc and stuff like that and Hey, this Chris Angel guy, he's pretty cool. Let's give him a magic show. Like, he's a smart guy, you know. Uh, but with all that said, uh, what do you think? Are you into magic? Uh, do you like to make things disappear? I don't know. Uh, leave your thoughts down in the comments, whatever. All right. We are at the end of our journey. Once again, I want to thank you for hanging out with me all the way to the end. My endies, my favorites. These are the people that don't just watch the clips. Don't just dip out after they've gotten through what they want to listen to. They listen all the way through because you guys are diehards and I appreciate that. I appreciate you guys supporting me. I got most of my ramblings out at the beginning of the show, so I'll keep it brief here. I appreciate you guys. Um, just quick plugs like, follow, subscribe at Seth Grimes Media. I know I say it every week, but I don't always see many people do it. I've seen a lot of bump in my YouTube, which I greatly appreciate. You know, if you guys are supporting me on YouTube, God, I appreciate it, man. My views are going up, my subscriptions are going up. Uh, I'm still just small potatoes, very small. I've been taking this seriously, seriously for like less than a year you know what i mean as far as like really trying to bust out good quality content on the regular and upping my game um and i'm gonna just continue to do that and continue to grow you know and i'm seeing the growth there on youtube so i love it uh but you know i'm not seeing too many people hopping on the old facebook or the twitter or anything like that uh so if you're on those platforms just throw me a like there i'd appreciate that throw me a follow. And uh we can all move on with our lives, right? TikTok at Seth Grimes Media across the board, it's Seth at Seth Grimes Media. Got the book out the gathering, a bold journey into the belly of the juggalo underworld. Uh, that is a fun read, whether you are into juggalo, I insane clown posse stuff. It has nothing to do with that. I mean, it has everything to do with that. That's the topic of the book, but anybody can read it because it's essentially just about a, a grumpy dude that goes to a music festival and hates it the whole time <laughs> does a bunch of drugs you know what i'm saying like it's fun so read it listen to it it's out there all that's in the description down below links and all that good stuff uh, that's all i got for you i won't keep you any longer than that. thank you thank you so much for supporting everything like I, I can't say it enough you know what i mean i do say every week thank you and all that but like I'm watching the growth and i'm putting in mad effort mad work into this shit and you know like i said my youtube is getting where i want it to be you know i'm on that track to just try to get that shit monetized you know that's the goal once it's monetized then i can start expanding into stuff and you know eventually i'd like to be able to do this full time and then i can just spend every god instead of going to work and shit and trying to fit all this stuff around it imagine the extra shit that i can accomplish when i have my entire day to create content you know i got new other books i want to write other videos i want to make lots of stuff to do um and, and you guys are here and you're along for the ride and you're the ones that support me the most because you're hearing my voice now thank you so much with all that said peace love and pizza i am your boy seth grimes and this has been the Pro Wrestling Podcast Podcast. Seriously though, is the you think the Montreal screw jobs will work? You think it is? You think they just I think they worked it from the beginning? I think Brett's in on it. It's all just a big fucking schmaz. The woe's been pulled over our eyes. Who knows? <laughs> We'll